Chapter fourteen of the Texas Scouts. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Texan Scouts by Joseph A. Altscheller. Chapter fourteen. The news of the fall. Chapter fourteen. The news of the fall five days before the fall of the alamo a little group of men began to gather at the village of washington on the brazos river in texas the name of the little town indicated well whence its people had come all the houses were new mostly of unpainted wood and they contained some of the furniture of necessity none of luxury the first and foremost important article was the rifle which the texans never needed more than they did now but this new and little washington was seething with excitement and suspense and its population was now more than triple the normal news had come that the alamo was beleaguered by a force many times as numerous as its defenders and that crockett bowie travis and other famous men were inside they had heard also that santa anna had hoisted the red flag of no quarter and that texans everywhere if taken would be slaughtered as traitors the people of washington had full cause for their excitement and suspense the little town also had the unique distinction of being a capital for a day or two the texans felt with the news that santa anna had enveloped the alamo that they must take decisive action they believed that the mexicans had broken every promise to the texans they knew that not only their liberty and property but their lives also were in peril despite the great disparity of numbers it must be a fight to the death between texas and mexico the texans were now gathering at washington one man who inspired courage wherever he went had come already sam houston had ridden into town calm confident and talking only of victory he was dressed with a neatness and care unusual on the border while his face was shaded by the wide brim of a white sombrero the famous scouts Deaf Smith and Henry Carnes and young Zavalo, whom Ned had known in Mexico, were there also. Fifty-eight delegates, representing Texas, gathered in the largest room of a frame building. Deaf Smith and Henry Carnes came in and sat with their rifles across their knees. While some of the delegates were talking, Houston signaled to the two, and they went outside. "'What do you hear from the Alamo, Smith?' asked Houston." Travis has fought off all the attacks of the Mexicans, replied the great borderer, but when Santa Anna brings up his whole force and makes a resolute assault, it's bound to go under. The mission is too big and scattered to be held by Travis and his men against forty or fifty times their number. I fear so, I fear so, said Houston sadly, and we can't get together enough men for its relief all this quarrelling and temporizing are our ruin heavens what a time for disagreements there couldn't be a worse time general said henry carnes me and deaf would like mighty well to march to the alamo a lot of our friends are in there and i reckon we've seen them for the last time the fine face of euston grew dark with melancholy have you been anywhere near san antonio he asked smith not nearer than thirty miles replied smith but over at goliad i saw a force under colonel fannin that was getting ready to start to the relief of travis 
with it were some friends of mine there was palmer him they call the panther the biggest and strongest man in texas obed white a new englander and a boy will allen i've known em well for some time and there was another that belonged to their little band but he's in the alamo now and they was wild to rescue him do you think fannin will get through asked houston i don't replied smith decidedly and if he did it would just mean the loss of more good men for us what do you think about it hank same that you do replied Carnes. houston pondered over the words a long time he knew that they were thoroughly acquainted with texas and the temper of its people and he relied greatly on their judgment when he went back in the room which was used as a convention hall smith and Carnes remained outside smith sat down on the grass lighted a pipe and began to smoke deliberately Carnes also sat down on the grass lighted his own pipe and smote with equal deliberation each man rested his rifle across his knees looks bad said smith powerful bad almighty bad talkin's no good when the enemy's shootin reckon there's nothing left for us but this tapping the barrel of his gun significantly only tool that's left for us to use reckon we'll soon have as many chances as we want to use it and more reckon you're almighty right and we'll be there every time the two men reached over and shook hands deliberately houston by and by came out again and saw them sitting there smoking two images of patience and quiet boys he said you're not taking much part in the proceedings not much just yet colonel sam replied smith but we're waiting i reckon that tomorrow you'll declare texas free and independent a great and good republic and as there ain't sixty of you to declare it maybe you'll need the help of some fellows like hank and me to make them resolutions come true we will said houston and we know that we can rely upon you he was about to pass on, but he changed his mind and sat down with the men. Houston was a singular character. He had been governor of an important state, and he had lived as a savage among savages. He could adapt himself to any company. Boys, he said, you know a merchant, John Royalston, who has headquarters in New Orleans, and also offices in St. Louis and Cincinnati. We do, said Smith, and we've seen him, too, more than once. He's been in these parts not so long ago. He's in New Orleans now, said Houston. He's the biggest trader along the coast, has dealings with Santa Ana himself, but he's a friend of Texas, powerful one. Boys, I've got in my pocket now an order from him good for a hundred thousand dollars to be spent buying arms and ammunition for us. When the time comes, there's more coming from the same place. We've got friends, but keep this to yourself. He walked on, and the two took a long and meditative pull at their pipes. I reckon Royston may not shoot as straight as we can, said Smith, but maybe at as long range as New Orleans he can do more harm to the Mexicans than we can. Looks like it. I ain't much of a hand at money, but I like the looks of that man Royston, and I reckon the more rifles and the more ammunition we have, the fewer Mexicans will be left. The two scouts, having smoked as long as they wished, went to their quarters and slept soundly through the night. 
but Houston and the leading Texans with him hardly slept at all. There was but one course to choose, and they were fully aware of its gravity. Houston perhaps more so than the rest, as he had seen more of the world. They worked nearly all night in the bare room, and when Houston sought his room, he was exhausted. Houston's room was a bare little place, lighted by a tallow candle, and although it was not long until day, he sat there a while before lying down. A man of wide experience, he alone, with the exception of Royston, knew how desperate was the situation of the Texans. In truth, it was the money of Royston sent from New Orleans that had caused him to hazard the chance. He knew, too, that in time more help would arrive from the same source, and he believed there would be a chance against the Mexicans, a fighting chance, it is true, but men who were willing to die for a cause seldom failed to win. He blew out the candle, got in bed, and slept soundly. Deaf Smith and Henry Carnes were up early. They seldom slept late, and saw the sun rise out of the prairie. They were in a house which had a small porch looking towards the Brassos. After breakfast, they lighted their cob pipes again, smoked, and meditated. Reckon something was done by our leading statesman last night, said Smith. Reckon there was, said Carnes. Reckon I can guess what it was. Reckon I can, too. Reckon I'll wait to hear it officially before I speak. Reckon I will, too. Lots of times wasted talking. Uh, reckon you're right. They sat in silence for a full two hours. They smoked the first hour and then passed the second in their chairs without moving. They had mastered the borderer's art of doing nothing thoroughly when nothing was to be done. Then a man came upon the porch and spoke to them. His name was Burnett, David G. Burnett. Good morning. How is the new republic, said Deaf Smith. So you know, said Burnett. We don't know, but we've guessed, Hank and me. We saw things as they was coming. I reckon, too, says Carnes, that we ain't a part of Mexico any more. No, we're a free and independent republic. It was so decided last night and we've got nothing more to do now but to whip a nation of eight millions, the fifty thousand of us. Well, said Smith philosophically, it's a tough job, but it might be did. I've heard tell that them old Greeks whipped the Persians when the odds were powerful high against them. That is true, said Burnett, and we can at least try. We give the reason for declaring our independence. We assert to the world that the Mexican Republic has become a military despotism, that our agents carrying petitions have been thrown in dungeons in the city of Mexico, that we have been ordered to give up the arms necessary for our defense against the savages, and that we have been deprived of every right guaranteed to us when we settled here. We're glad it's done, although we knew it would be done, said Smith. We ain't much on talking, Mr. President, Hank and me but we can shoot pretty straight, and we're at your call. I know that. God bless you both, said Burnett. The talking is over. Trifles that we need, and plenty of them. Now I've got to see Houston. We're to talk over ways and means. He hurried away, and the two, settling back in their chairs on the porch, relighted their pipes and smoked calmly. Reckon there'll be nothing doing for a day or two, Hank, said Smith. Reckon not, but we'll 
have to be doing a powerful lot later or be hoofing it for the tall timber a thousand miles north you always was full of sense hank now there goes sam houston queer stories about his leaving tennessee and his life in the indian territory that's so but he's an honest man looks far ahead and tween you and me deaf it's a thousand to one that he's to lead us in the war reckon you're guessing good Houston, who had just wakened and dressed, was walking across the grass and wheezed to meet Burnett. Not even he, when he looked at the tiny village and the wilderness spreading about, foresaw how mighty a state was to rise from beginning so humble and so small. He and Burnett went back into the convention hall, and he wrote a fiery appeal to the people. He said that the Alamo was beleaguered, and the citizens of Texas must rally to the aid of our army or it will perish smith and carnes remained while the convention continued its work they did little ostensibly but smoked their cob pipes but they observed everything and thought deeply on sunday morning five days after the men had gathered at washington as they stood at the edge of the little town they saw a man galloping over the prairie neither spoke but watched him for a while as the unknown came on lashing a tired horse Pairs to be in a hurry, said Smith. And to be in a hurry generally means something in these parts, said Carnes. I'm making a guess. So am I, and yours is the same as mine. He comes from the Alamo. Others now saw the man, and there was a rush toward him. His horse fell at the edge of town, but the rider sprang to his feet and came toward the group, which included both Houston and Burnett. He was a wild figure, face and clothing covered with dust, but he recognized Houston and turned to him at once you're general houston and i'm from the alamo he said i bring a message from colonel travis there was a sudden heavy intake of breath in the whole group then the alamo has not fallen said houston not when i left but that was three days ago here is the letter it was the last letter of travis concluding with the words god in texas victory or death but when the messenger put the letter into the hands of Houston, the Alamo had fallen two hours before. The letter was laid before the convention, and the excitement was great and irrepressible. The feelings of these stern men were moved deeply. Many wished to adjourn at once and march to the relief of the Alamo. But the eloquence of Houston, who had been re-elected commander-in-chief, prevailed against the suggestion. Then with two or three men he departed for gonzales to raise a force while the others elected burnett president of the new texas and departed for harrisburg on buffalo bayou deaf smith and henry carnes did not go just then with houston they were scouts hunters and rough riders and they could do as they pleased they notified general sam houston commander-in-chief of the texas armies that they would come on later and he was content when the texas government and the texan army numbering combined about a hundred men followed by most of the population numbering fifty or sixty more filed off for gonzales the two sat once more on the same porch smoking their cob pipes they were not ordinary men they were not ordinary scouts and borderers one from the north and one from the south they were much alike in their mental processes their faculties of keen observation and deep reasoning 
both were now stirred to the core but neither showed a trace of it on his face he watched the little file pass away over the prairie until it was lost to sight behind the swells and then smith spoke i reckon you and me hank will ride toward the alamo i reckon we will deaf and that right away inside of five minutes they were on the road armed and provisioned the best two borderers with the single exception of the panther and all the northwest they were mounted on powerful mustangs which with proper handling and judicious rests could go on forever but they pushed them a little that afternoon stopped for two hours after sundown and then went on again they crossed the colorado river in the night swimming the horses and about a mile further on stopped in dense chaparral they tethered the mustangs near them and spread out their blankets if anything comes the horses will wake us said smith i reckon they will said carnes both were fast asleep in a few minutes but they awoke shortly after sunrise they made a frugal breakfast while the mustangs had cropped short grass in the night both horses and men as tough and wiry as they ever become were again as fresh as the dawn and with not more than a dozen words spoken the two mounted and rode anew on their quest always chary of speech they became almost silence itself as they drew nearer to san antonio de bexar in the heart of each was a knowledge of the great tragedy not surmise but the certainty that acute intelligence deduces from facts they rode on until by a simultaneous impulse the two reined their horses back in a cypress thicket and waited they had seen three horsemen on the skyline coming in the Maine in their direction their trained eyes noticed at once that the strangers were a varying figure the foremost even in the distance seemed to be gigantic the second was very long and thin and the third was normal smith and carnes watched them a little while and then carnes spoke in words of true conviction it would be hard death for even a bad eye to mistake the foremost right you are hank you might comb texas with a fine-toothed comb and you'd never break out such another if that ain't mart palmer the ring-tailed panther i'll go straight to santa anna and ask him to shoot me as a fool you won't have to go to santa anna smith rode from the covert put his curved hand to his mouth and uttered a long piercing cry the three horsemen stopped at once and the and the giant in the lead gave back the signal in the same fashion then the two little parties rode rapidly toward each other while they were yet fifty yards away they uttered words of hail and good fellowship when they met they shook hands with the fellowship that has been sealed by common hardships and dangers you're going toward the alamo said smith yes replied the panther we started that way several days ago but we've been delayed we had a brush with one little party of mexicans and we had to dodge another that was too big for us i take it you ride for the same place we do were you with fannin the dark face of the panther grew darker we were he replied he started to the relief of the alamo but the ammunition wagon broke down and they couldn't get the cannon across the san antonio river so me and obed white and will allen here have come on alone news for news said smith dryly 
Texas has just been made a free and independent republic, and Sam Houston has been made commander-in-chief of all its mighty armies, horse, foot, and cannon. We saw all them things done back there at Washington's settlement, and we, being a part of the army, are riding to the relief of the Alamo. We Virginia, then, said the Panther, and Texas raises two armies of the strength of three and two to one of five. Oh, if all the Texans had come, what a roaring and ripping and tarring and chawing there would have been when we struck Santa Anna's army, no matter how big it might be. But they didn't come, said Smith grimly, and as far as I know, we five are all the Texans that are riding toward San Antonio de Bexar and the Alamo. But being only five won't keep us from riding on, said the panther. Things are not always as bad as they look, said Obed White, after he had learned of the messenger who had come to Houston and unmet. It's never too late to hope. The five rode fast the remainder of the day. They passed through a silent and desolate land. They saw a few cabins, but every one was abandoned. The deep sense of tragedy was over them all, even over young Will Allen. They rarely spoke and they rode along in silence, save for the beat of their horses' hoofs. Shortly before night, they met a lone buffalo hunter whom the panther knew. "'Have you been close to San Antonio, Simpson?' asked the panther after the greeting. "'I've been three or four days hanging round the neighborhood,' replied the hunter. "'I came down from the northwest when I heard that Santa Ana was advancing, and once I thought I'd make a break and try to get into the Alamo, but the Mexican lines was drawn too thick and close. Have you heard anything about the men inside? asked the panther eagerly. Not a thing, but I've noticed this. A morning and evening gun was fired from the fortress every day until yesterday, Sunday, and since then, nothing. The silence in the little band was as ominous as the silence of the morning and evening gun. Simpson shook his head sadly. Boys, he said, I'm going to ride for Gonzales and join Houston. I don't think it's any use for me to be hanging around San Antonio de Bexstar any longer. I wish you luck and whatever you're trying to do. He rode away, but the five friends continued their course toward the Alamo, without hope now, but resolved to see for themselves. Deep in the night, which fortunately for their purpose was dark, heavy clouds shutting out the moon and stars. They approached San Antonio from the east. They saw lights which they knew were those of the town, but there was darkness only where they knew the Alamo stood. They tethered the horses in some bushes and crept closer until they could see the dim bulk of the Alamo. No light shone there. They listened long and intently, but not a single sound came from the great hectatum. Again they crept nearer, there were no Mexican guards anywhere. A little further, and they stood by the low northern wall. Boys, said the panther, I can't stand it any longer. Queer feelings are running all over me. No, I'm going to take the risk, if there is any, all alone. You wait for me here, and if I don't come back in an hour, then you can hunt for me. The panther climbed over the wall and disappeared. The others remained in the deepest shadow, waiting and silent. They were oppressed by the heavy gloom that hung over the Alamo. It was terrifying to young Will Allen, not the terror that is caused by the fear of men, but the 
terror that comes from some tragic mystery that is more than half guessed nearly an hour passed when a great figure leaped lightly from the wall and joined them the swarthy face of the panther was as white as chalk and he was shivering boys he whispered i've seen what i never want to see again i've seen red red everywhere i've been through the rooms of the alamo and they're red splashed with the red blood of men the water in the ditch was stained with red and the earth all about was soaked with it something awful must have happened in the alamo there must have been a terrible fight and i'm thinking that most of our fellows must have died before it was took but it's give me the creeps boys and i think we'd better get away we can't leave any too quick to please me said will allen i'm seeing ghosts all the time now that we know for sure the alamo has fallen said smith nothing is to be gained by staying here it's for sam euston to lead us to revenge and the more men he has the better i vote we ride for gonzales seeing what we can see as we go said carnes the more information we can pick up on the way about the march of the mexicans the better it will be for houston no doubt of that said the panther when we go to roaring and ripping and tearing we must know what we're about but come on boys all that red in the alamo gives me conniption fits they rode toward the east for a long time until they thought they were beyond the reach of mexican skirmishing parties and then they slept in a cypress thicket smith and carnes standing guard by turns as everybody needed rest they did not resume their journey the next day until nearly noon and they spent most of the afternoon watching for mexican scouts although they saw none they had a full rest that night and the next day they rode slowly toward gonzales about the middle of the afternoon as they reached the crest of a swell will allen uttered an exclamation and pointed toward the eastern horizon then they saw a single figure on horseback and another walking beside it the afternoon sun was very bright casting a glow over the distant figures and shading their eyes with their hands they gazed at them a long time it's a woman that's riding said smith at last and she's carrying some sort of a bundle before her you're surely right deaf said carnes and i think the one walking is a black fellow looks like it from here i'm your way of thinking said the panther and the woman on the horse is american or i'm mightily fooled in my guess suppose we ride ahead faster and see for sure they increased the speed of their mustangs to a gallop and rapidly overhauled the little party they saw the woman trying to urge her horse to greater speed but the poor beast evidently exhausted made no response the woman turning in the saddle looked back at her pursuers by all that's wonderful exclaimed obed white the bundle that she's carrying is a baby it's so said smith and you can see well enough now that she's one of our own people we must show her that she's got nothing to fear from us he shouted through his arched hands in tremendous tones that they were texans and friends the woman stopped and as they galloped up she would have fallen from her horse had not obed white promptly seized her and dismounting lifted her and the baby tenderly to the ground the colored boy who had been walking stood by and did not say anything aloud but muttered rapidly thank the lord thank the lord three of the five were veteran hunters but they had never before found such a singular party on the prairie 
the woman sat down on the ground still holding the baby tightly in her arms and shivered all over the texans regarded her in pitying silence for a few minutes and then obed white said in gentle tones we are friends ready to take you to safety tell us who you are i am mrs dickinson she replied deaf looked startled there was a lieutenant dickinson in the alamo he said i am his wife she replied and this is our child and where is smith stopped suddenly knowing what the answer must be he is dead she replied he fell in the defense of the alamo might he not be among the prisoners suggested obed white gently prisoners she replied there were no prisoners they fought to the last every man who was in the alamo died in its defense the five stared at her in amazement and for a little while none spoke do you mean to say said obed white that none of the texans survived the fall of the alamo none she replied how do you know her pale face filled with color it seemed that she too at the moment felt some of the glow that the fall of the alamo was to suffuse through texas because i saw she replied i was in one of the arched rooms of the church where they made the last stand i saw crockett fall and i saw the death of bowie too i saw santa anna exult but many many mexicans fell also it was a terrible struggle i shall see it again every day of my life even if i live to be a hundred she covered her face with her hands as if she would cut out the side of that last inferno in the church the others were silent stunned for the time all gone said obed white at last when the news is spread that every man stood firm to the last i think it will light such a fire in texas that santa anna and all his armies cannot put it out did you see a boy called ned fulton in the alamo a tall handsome fellow with brown hair and gray eyes asked obed white often replied mrs dickinson he was with crockett and bowie a great deal and none escaped said will allen not one she repeated i did not see him in the church in the final assault he doubtless fell in the hospital or in the convent yard ah he was a friend of yours i'm sorry yes he was a friend of ours said the panther he was more than that to me i love that boy like a son and me and my comrades here mean to see that the mexicans pay a high price for his death and may i ask ma'am how you come to be here she told him how santa anna had provided her with a horse and had sent her alone with the proclamation to the texans at the salgado creek she had come upon the negro servant of travis who had escaped from san antonio and he was helping her on the way and now ma'am said deaf smith we'll guard you the rest of the way to gonzales the two little groups now fused into one resumed their journey over the prairie end of chapter fourteen the news of the fall